What's up, everybody? My name is Nate Coot Nibblink, and welcome to the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you a consumable dynasty perspective. Today, I'm going to be going through 10 recent dynasty trades and giving my perspective on them. But first, we got to roll that intro. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I, like, I'm, I'm in for Death, taxes, and the 2022 wide receiver class. I like what you were saying, Skylar. No, no player is completely untouchable. Thank you guys really, I had not, I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. All right. Well, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump straight into it. The first trade that we have here is Michael Pittman and the 2023 408 for George Pickens and the 2023 306. Now this is a 10 team Superflex half PPR league, so take that into account as you factor in where these picks are likely to fall. So let's start with the players. Pittman and Pickens are in the same tier for me, although I do have Pittman a little bit higher, so kind of in line with where this trade is at. Honestly, this just isn't a trade that I personally would make. I don't think the difference from 306 to 408 is enough for me to consider this uh, a win on the picking side to get the extra value in the picks. And for me, it's just not a trade that I'd be looking to do to move around within the same tier for a slight upgrade in a pick at the back end of your rookie drafts. It's just not something that I'd be looking to do. If I had to make a decision, you put a gun to my head, I guess I would take the Pittman side and just feel a little bit more secure with what Pittman's going to offer me. Uh, basically for the rest of his career. And Pickens has all the upside, but definitely a little less uh, assured, I guess you could say, as to what the rest of his career might look like. Let's move right into the second trade here. This is from a 12-team Superflex League. On one side, we have Dak Prescott, A.J. Brown, and the 2023-111. And on the other side, we have Josh Allen, the 2023-209, and the 2023-306. It's definitely a strong price to pay for Josh Allen. I think this is kind of the going rate if you want Patrick Mahomes, if you want Josh Allen, probably, you know, if you want Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow, you're going to have to quote-unquote overpay to go get them, right? You're going to have to include a QB, a pretty good QB, and you're going to have to add a really significant player on top of that. So I do think this is kind of the price you're going to have to pay to rest Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes away from someone. So I don't think that the price is, um, yeah, like uncanny or something that I haven't seen in some of my leagues. This is kind of what it takes to get a player of Josh Allen's caliber. If you have the depth at receiver, like if you have Justin Jefferson and you have A.J. Brown and you have, you know, T. Higgins and a few other guys that you're excited about, maybe Michael Pittman or Jahan Dotson or a few guys like that behind, you feel pretty strong about your receivers and you're really trying to kind of put yourself over the edge and get that edge at quarterback, then this is a deal that I could see myself doing if I really thought that this was kind of a last piece of the puzzle to get a truly elite quarterback on my roster so in that case I'm kind of okay with it I do have I'm growing to have more concerns about Dak Prescott uh, the more I think about the situation in Dallas and how that's going to shape up you know Kellen Moore out of town there's been some whisperings that uh, Mike McCarthy really wants to go to a more run heavy style what does that mean for Dak Prescott and his numbers his fantasy numbers 
His rushing upside appears to be not what it once was. All of these things are kind of uh, slowly but surely kind of depressing Dak Prescott's value in my mind. And so that's another reason that I would consider making this move to upgrade to an Allen, who we know is just an absolute elite option for fantasy and will be for quite some time. So overall, I'm not too scared off by this price for Josh Allen. It is a steep price for sure at the 111. There's definitely going to be some good players available in your rookie drafts. You're looking at, you know, Josh Downs could be around there. Depending on where some of these running back landing spots end up, you could be looking at a pretty interesting running back at the back end of the first round. Uh, Zach Charbonnet seems to be a player that's going around this range in a lot of our mock drafts over at JWB that we've been running. If he goes to a spot where he has what appears to be an instant kind of bell cow workload, then that could definitely be an interesting player, a player of value that you're giving up with the 111 pick there. But overall, it's yeah, it's about how what you're trying to accomplish with the Josh Allen trade here in my mind. If you're really trying to um, bring that elite edge at quarterback and establish that position and you have the depth at receiver, you don't feel like you need the 111 pick to add more depth uh, either to receiver or running back in your roster, then this is this is kind of what it takes, right? This is the price you're going to have to pay if you really feel like Josh Allen is kind of that piece. And to get the 209 and the 306, like I'm not expecting to have a huge uh, outcome from those picks, but if at 209 you're looking at like a Tajay Spears or somebody like that who a lot of people are into nowadays, then that could be a nice piece for you as well. You know, uh, maybe a Dalton Kincaid if you're willing to wait on a tight end to develop for a few years or something like that. So that could be a little bit of extra incentive on the Allen side as well. Let's keep growing here and move on to the third trade. On one side, we have Russell Wilson, 2024 fourth, 2025 fourth, and the 2023 209. And on the other side, we have Mitchell Trubisky in the 2023-107. So really, this kind of boils down to Russ Wilson and the 209 for the 107 in my mind. Let's kind of take the fourths and Mitch Trubisky out of the equation here. And let's just evaluate the trade based on that. So for me, 107 is looking like, say, Jordan Addison at this point. It'll probably be a receiver in this range. The interesting part about this is where Will Levis ends up in a lot of rookie drafts. Um, yeah, really depends on these quarterbacks, right? We have, we feel like we have pretty solid assurances that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are going to go fairly highly top 10, if not top 5 picks in the NFL draft. There's been whispers about both Anthony Richardson and Will Levis joining them as top 10 picks potentially. If that happens and Will Levis is a top 10 pick and he's there at 107, then that's an interesting point because you're getting a quarterback who, despite all of his flaws as a prospect, is going to get some leash and has some athleticism to go with it. So that's an interesting point where the manager, the Russ Wilson, um, the player, the manager here giving away Russ Wilson to acquire the 107 may feel like they're getting a shot at another quarterback and resetting the clock. Obviously, Russ Wilson, no spring chicken anymore. The thing is, for me, that I feel like Russ Wilson's value is probably at a low point right now, just given the season that he just came off of. And I don't think we've had enough time for what I believe will be some Sean Payton hype to build. 
And I think that'll come this offseason. I think people will start to get some positive camp reports, as we always do out of these new situations where everybody's really upbeat and everybody's excited about what uh, Sean Payton or whoever the new coach is in town. Last year, people were excited about Nathaniel Hackett, at least uh, in the Denver Broncos circles that I run in. So people can get excited about a lot of things. We'll just leave it at that. But definitely Sean Payton, obviously a coach with a storied history in terms of producing good offenses. And so I do think that Russ Wilson's hype will rise and his dynasty value will rise as we get closer and closer to the season. So in my mind, you're kind of selling at a low point in Wilson's value. I don't think the value is terrible just for the current market, but I do think that there's a pretty solid chance that you can get more for Wilson uh, come, say, August for example. And so for my mind, I think you can probably do better with Wilson. And so I'd probably be holding Wilson in this scenario and seeing if I can do better later. At this point, the rookie picks are in full hype swing. And so you're kind of paying up to get one of these rookie picks. Uh, 107 even, you're still paying a fair premium to get them. And so for my mind, I think I would take the Wilson and 209 side of this trade. You know, it's your favorite late second running back like I mentioned maybe a Ty J Spears or someone like that is around at the 209 and that's somebody you're excited about as a potential hit uh, at the 209 so it's definitely not nothing to acquire the 209 in addition to Wilson for that 107 and so for that reason I'm on the Wilson side on this one all right trade number four is the 2023-103 and 2023-106 for Travis Kelsey and the 2023-210 pre-standard 12-team Superflex trade here. Uh, honestly, I think this is probably a smash in terms of value to get this for Kelsey. Obviously, I think there's probably a scenario at play here where the Kelsey acquiring team is looking to go all in on the upcoming season, and Kelsey is still a player who gives you a huge edge at the tight end position, whereas the team trading away Kelsey is obviously looking to kind of lock in that value and turn that into younger players and obviously picks in this scenario. So for my mind, I think this is a smash trade just in terms of value. If you Join the JWB Discord if you get into some of the startup mock drafts that we've been doing. The 103 pick is routinely going ahead of Travis Kelsey on his own. So the 103 for Travis Kelsey straight up. I think I would take the 103 at this point just on a value basis. And then to get the 106 on top is definitely a huge value in my mind. So definitely I think to get what could be a C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson or, you know, Jameer Gibbs or Jackson Smith and Jigba, whoever your favorite player is at the 103 in your Superflex leagues. That's probably a player that's going to be more valuable than Travis Kelsey at this point in the offseason. You know, once we get into the season and uh, people remember that they like to score fantasy points to win their fantasy leagues, then Kelsey's value will once again rise. But in my mind, just on a value basis alone, you're getting more than enough to move off of Kelsey for the 103 and 106 here. I honestly, I don't think if I tried to, I have a ton of Kelsey across my leagues, um, but I don't think I could get, honestly, I'd be hard-pressed to get the 106 in a fair number of my leagues for Kelsey at this point. There's just a very limited number of teams that are willing to 
go in and purchase Kelsey off your roster and you're more likely to be able to get this kind of deal or this kind of value for him in season but to get it for him here to kind of reset the clock in that way and to lock in your value on your dynasty roster I think it's a pretty shrewd move to go ahead and take the 103-106 side of this here. Trade number five this is going to be Traylon Burks, the 2023-103 and 2023-203 for Kenneth Walker. And once again, we have the 2023-209. These 209 picks, people really don't want to have them on their team. Again, this is a 12-team super flex format here. So for my money, I'm just trying to look at pieces that I could consider equal and then kind of balance out the rest of the trade. So I'm seeing... Kenneth Walker and the 2023-103, those are roughly equivalent in most of the JWB startup mocks that we've been doing. So let's call that a wash for the time being. Then you're looking at Traylon Burks and the 203 just traded for the 209 alone, which obviously in my mind makes the Burks side a bit of a smash here. I definitely think that getting 103 for Kenneth Walker is solid value. Um... You could argue that Walker is a little bit more valuable than the 103, and I wouldn't really have a huge argument about that, but they're definitely in the same ballpark. And then to get Burks in the 203 for the 209 is just obviously huge value. So in my mind, the Burks side here with that 103 pick is the clear winner, and I would definitely take that side any day of the week. Trade number six. This is a doozy. And a little bit more involved. On one side, we have Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Christian Watson, and David Njoku. And on the other side, we have Josh Allen, Travis Kelsey, Joe Mixon, and Kyle Trask. So obviously a lot of moving parts here and some huge names. The So the drop for me from Josh Allen to Kyler and Deshaun as, you know, a different tier of quarterback uh, in terms of value in Superflex, and again, this is a 12-team Superflex with tight end premium, so do take that into account when valuing Kelsey here. The drop-off from Allen to Kyler and Deshaun here is not as dramatic for me as it is for a lot of people. I just, in general, don't, don't value the extra production from Allen as much as some people do. I do think it's a tier difference, but I don't think that I would generally pay through the nose to acquire Allen as a lot of people do. Obviously there is a situation before where you're getting a tier up from Dak Prescott, which I think is uh, an additional tier in my mind at this point um, relative to Deshaun and Kyler here. Deshaun and Kyler, when they're healthy and everything's going their way, Deshaun Watson has been a continual top five super flex uh, or uh, sorry, a uh, top five fantasy quarterback for basically his entire career. Obviously, he's been out of football when he came back. He wasn't able to practice the same way, basically didn't have an offseason, didn't have anything, and he didn't look great when he came back. But in terms of what I think he'll be next year, I honestly think he'll be around a top-five quarterback once again for fantasy. And Kyler Murray, when healthy, has pretty much only been a top-five quarterback for fantasy. So really, what are we talking about in terms of a drop-off from Allen to these guys? I don't think it's that big. So to kind of diversify and get yourself into two elite assets at quarterback, in my mind, is a huge win. So I'm pretty happy to do that. 
obviously Kelsey, a uh, win now option, someone I'd be happy to have on a win now team. I do think this is kind of, again, a little bit of a win now versus a value uh, format. So on the Watson Kyler side, I think you probably end up with a little more value overall in my mind. But on the Allen Kelsey side, you're looking at some pretty solid producers. Kelsey and Mixon should produce next year at least, as long as Cincinnati doesn't, you know, cut Mixon or do anything crazy with Mixon for the next year. So I think that if you're looking to contend this year, I can see your argument for taking Kelsey, for taking Allen, for getting those elite producers for this season at their positions and to kind of move away from the uncertainty of what Kyler and Deshaun are going to offer you for this season. But from a pure dynasty value basis, I think I would take Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray on that side, lock in my two quarterbacks for the next decade and be really happy about that and then get the big upside plays also not to be discounted here of Njoku and Christian Watson. You know, Wyatt is huge on David Njoku. This offseason thinks he's being undervalued consistently. If you believe a lot in Watson, then maybe you believe a lot in Njoku as well. And so you kind of get that stack there as well. It's a nice little way to build in positive variance for yourself with this trade. So on a value basis, purely I would take the Deshaun and Kyler side in this one. All right, trade number seven, we have Kyle Pitts in the 2023-103. And on the other side, we have Kenneth Walker, DJ Moore, Cole Kmet, Greg Dulcich, and a 2024 second. This, again, 12-team, Superflex, PPR, tight end premium, and it's a start nine setup. So in my mind, once again, I'm looking for pieces that I can kind of roughly cancel each other out in my mind. Kenneth Walker in the 103, as I mentioned in a previous trade, both roughly equal in my mind, so let's set them aside. Then you're looking at Kyle Pitts, and is Kyle Pitts worth DJ Moore plus Kmet plus Dulcich plus the second? I'm personally of the mind that Kyle Pitts will still be an elite asset at the tight end position. It's just a matter of how patient you can be. You're probably going to have to wait for the Falcons to get a quarterback, or basically for Pitts to be associated with a quarterback thing. That can facilitate him to be that elite asset at the tight end position, that difference maker. And so for my mind, that's kind of two borderline elite assets on one side in this trade in Pitts and the 103. And on the other side, I just don't see that elite asset. I see DJ Moore, who at this point in his career, um, we all, all thought that he had the potential to be an elite receiver and he's just never really hit on that and it's hard to see where he's going to do that in the immediate future and now honestly he's starting to get to the point in his career where his value is going to go down just on an age basis. The wild card in this for me is Greg Dulcich who a lot of very smart people are into because Sean Payton has historically featured the tight end pretty significantly in his offenses and Denver specifically targeted Dulcich, and he did pretty much show out. He entered the season kind of mid-season coming off an injury and commanded a fair amount of targets and just generally looked like a feature piece in this offense. It also depends what you think of the other Denver pass catchers. If you're fading Jerry Judy, if you're fading Cortland Sutton, then you should be in big time on Greg Dulcich in my mind. So Dulcich is kind of the wild card where he could close that gap on Kyle Pitts potentially if the Denver offense uh, po trends positively and 
Pitts once again has a down season, then you could see this kind of evening out a little bit. So in my mind, Dulcich is kind of that swing point in this trade. I feel like we have a pretty solid idea of what DJ Moore is going to be, of what Cole Komet is going to be. We know the value of a 2024 second round pick, but what Dulcich can do this upcoming year is what will determine this for my money. I'm going to take the guy who produced 1,000 yards in his rookie season at the tight end position and who I think is an elite athlete and has all the potential in the world to be just a complete difference maker at the position. I'm going to take the Kyle Pitts side on this one. Trade number eight. Pretty straightforward trade here. We have Saquon Barkley on one side, and on the other, we have the 2023 104 and 207. Again, a 12-team Superflex League. So thinking about the 104, this could be an Anthony, an Anthony Richardson. It could be a Jameer Gibbs, maybe a Jackson Smith and Jigba. Whoever your 104 is in this class, insert them here. And then 207, again, you're kind of looking at one of those running backs in the mid-second that you're interested in whoever that might be, however these landing spots shake out, that's kind of the player you're expecting to get at, at 207 at this point in the offseason. So think about this. Think about this scenario. Jameer Gibbs and Kendra Miller are the two players that you can get for Saquon Barkley. Maybe that comes true, maybe it doesn't, but just humor me. Would you do Jameer Gibbs and Kendra Miller for Saquon Barkley at this point? You do reset your age clock on your running back here right you reset and get the jameer gibbs you get the younger player here obviously it gives you a second out you know if kendra miller hits in a big way then you kind of have a second out even if gibbs isn't everything you thought he might be cracked up to be if the 207 pick whoever that is kendra miller in the scenario we're talking about if he happens to hit in a big way then you've just got more more dice to roll basically in order to recoup the value of a Saquon Barkley here. For my money, I still kind of like Barkley on this. I feel he's going to get paid or franchised and then paid next offseason. I feel pretty confident that he's going to give us at least two more years of bell cow production. If you still view him as an injury risk, then that's fair, and you should definitely take that into account. I don't think this is an unfair value one way or the other, but for my money, unless I'm you know rebuilding strictly rebuilding then i would take the barkley side in this trade trade number nine we have brandon Ayuk on one side traded for amari cooper the 302 and 15 percent of a team's fab budget here so again it's a 12 team super flex if you're contending here you could take Amari Cooper. I feel pretty confident about what Cooper's going to be. It just came off another great season, very under the radar. I actually have Brandon Ayuk and Amari Cooper one spot apart in my ranks, but they're actually in different tiers. So Ayuk at the bottom of the tier above and Cooper at the top of the tier below. So Ayuk for me is just higher on, I think he's a really skilled wide receiver and obviously he's much younger than Cooper at this point. I tend to prefer Ayuk here. I'm going to bet on the talent. The situation is not great. If you watched uh, Jake and I's video on the wide receiver tiers, then you heard us talk about how hard it is to value Ayuk when they have so many significant assets there, pass-catching options in San Francisco with George Kittle, with Debo Samuel, with Christian McCaffrey. 
when is Ayuk going to have a good week and how are you going to be able to predict that? Are you just going to leave him in your lineup every week? Is he even a wide receiver three if those other guys are all commanding significant amounts of targets? And what happens if Trey Lance is the quarterback and he's not a great thrower still? There's just a lot of questions with Ayuk, but I'm just going to bet on the talent here. I'm going to bet on resetting the clock once again, getting the younger receiver here. I do think Ayuk has seasons in his future that are going to elevate his value. Whether it's this season or not remains to be seen. It would probably take an injury or two to the aforementioned San Francisco skill players for that to really happen, but I do think it's possible. So for my money, I'll take Ayuk here, but if you're a contending team really going for it all, I can see the reasoning to go with Cooper here as well. The last trade here is going to be Josh Jacobs and Jalen Waddle on one side, and on the other, Javante Williams, the 2023-104, and Tyquan Thornton. Again, 12-team super flex format. So again, looking at this, how do we break this down? For my money, I would have Jalen Waddle roughly equivalent to but slightly higher than the 104 plus the 204. So add those together. And I still have Waddle slightly above, but not so, so much above that it's not uh, not kind of that equivalency that I can't make in this trade here. And then I can kind of evaluate Jacobs versus Javante Williams and Tyquan Thornton. I personally still have Javante above Jacobs, one tier above him. But there are definitely a few scenarios I can see we're approaching free agency here. Uh, there's a, definitely a few scenarios for Jacobs where he gets a contract and a team landing spot that I really like and I can see potential for him to return a couple seasons of RB1 production that can make me bump up Jacobs into the Javante tier and in that case you know it's basically exactly equal so it's a little bit of a bet on the Jacobs landing spot but if you're confident about Jacobs getting a good landing spot then you can definitely take the Jacobs and Waddle side here I think that's the side that I would land on, but I do think this is a very fair trade. I don't think anyone, you know, got taken for a ride here or anything like that. Um, I do think there's a scenario in which the 104 is a big hit if it happens to be one of those quarterbacks, you know, if it's a Stroud or if it's a Richardson and they happen to hit. There's definitely a scenario in which the picks turn out to be really significant players and it turns out in the long term to be a win on the pick side. If Javante returns to full health and becomes the back that we always hoped he would be, then I think that it's definitely possible that that side wins. But if I'm dealing with the here and now and what I know about Jacobs and Waddle, and I'm confident that Jacobs is going to have a good landing spot, um, for my money, I think I would slightly lean the Jacobs and Waddle at this point. All right, folks. That's all we've got for this episode. If you think that I did something ridiculous in these evaluations, if you've got any questions, you can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at NathanGN on there. So come at me and tell me why I'm wrong in some of my evaluations of these trades. Definitely down to have a discussion. Also jump into the JWV Discord community. It's going to be in the link a uh, link in the description of this video, I should say. Come check us out there. Check out everything JWB at JWB underscore FF on Twitter, JWBFantasyFootball.com for all of our content. 
And that's going to be it, folks. Hope you enjoyed this. Much love. Thank <laughs> you.